This is Live Well Talk on Venus Insufficiency. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health, St. Luke's. Uh, today on the podcast, my colleague Mike Hummel, interventional radiologist with Radiology Consultants of Iowa in St. Luke's Hospital, uh, is welcome to the podcast to discuss venous insufficiency. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Dustin. It's nice to be here. You know, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but today's topic is actually inspired by a mailbag question that we got uh, through the mailbag segment of the podcast. And I'm, I'm going to just read it to l- let you know, and then we'll 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 move forward from there. Uh, this was from uh, Katie asked, I'm 20 weeks pregnant with my last baby and have severe venous insufficiency bilaterally with multiple visible varicose veins. Would you be able to do a podcast with the treatments of venous insufficiency, the long-term results of treatment, and any other advice to help with discoloration of my feet besides compression stockings and staying active? Is the discoloration permanent, even if it was treated? Which we can get into that and talk about hemosiderin and all, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I think people... Before we get to Katie's question, I, I, you know, I think we should a venous insufficiency or even a venous insufficiency ulcer is a significant health concern. And when I would, you know, I used to work out in the wound clinic, uh, Dr. Sharma took over that. But your five year mortality at having a venous ulcer is higher than having a heart attack, you know, because yeah. it signifies other disease processes that are going on. So these are this is a serious condition. Um, but what advice uh, would you have for Katie, or, or if you could just start off explaining what is venous insufficiency? Sure, and, sure. And what you just described is very much the kind of the end stage result of venous insufficiency. Early on, it manifests with symptoms like Katie's experiencing just varicose veins, swelling in the legs. Basically, all that venous insufficiency means is that the veins of our legs are insufficient to take the blood back up to the heart. So the venous blood kind of pools in our legs. Um, There are two important mechanisms that help the blood flow uphill. Um, As most listeners know, I think the blood in our veins is not under a lot of pressure. So the way the body gets the blood to flow uphill is by regular muscular contraction and by the fact that there are one-way valves inside the veins of our legs. They're just like little check valves that open and close and allow the blood to flow uphill and prevent the blood from flowing downhill. And when the veins become distended, those valves can't close all the way. And so blood keeps refluxing down and it flows out into little side branches and varicose veins form, which are just trying to find a way to get the blood to get back uphill. So um, they're very common in pregnancy. Um, Frequently after pregnancy, they will go away. Sometimes they persist and very frequently they'll get worse after each pregnancy. So usually in a young woman like Katie, the recommendation is if they can get by with conservative management, it's wait until you're done with your last pregnancy before you come for definitive treatment. And what what are those definitive treatments? I mean, the most so, people probably understand compression, so go through that. Yep. Yep, yep. So initially, um, the the conservative management is just compression therapy, and that compresses those superficial veins so that blood has to flow up through the deeper veins, which are likely working better. Um, but they're a hassle to put on. They're uncomfortable. People don't like wearing them. Um, Katie already knows the conservative treatment because in addition to um, 
the compression stockings she mentioned in her question staying active and that's very important to be walking sitting standing you don't need to be heavy doing heavy exercise you just need to be moving around regularly and the only other thing that i could add is occasional leg elevation that can help um, diminish the swelling and what i mean by that is you know maybe even five to ten minutes a couple hours you know spaced out every few hours if a person who has significant superficial venous insufficiency, just regular leg elevation can really help them. Um, it, I mean, this venous disease is, uh, can be really discomfort uh, with uh, the itching uh, that the patients may have, venous stasis dermatitis, um, which is, yep. is real. And I remember from probably junior high, and then recall that in medical school in uh, Orwell's 1984, Winston Smith, the character has venous insufficiency. He describes okay. itching his legs to the point that they, you know, were raw. And uh, so that's that's probably what he had, you know, which I found that yep. kind of interesting. Yep. But, but now let's go into the interventions that you're an expert in. Sure, uh, sure. I, you know, first so, of all, I want to say, I think you and your partners in interventional radiology are so knowledgeable in this. And every patient I've ever sent to you or your partners, it's been such a positive experience. Um, well, thank you. Although it is frustrating when I tell them they got to wear the compression stockings and then yep. they go see you, then they come back to me and they says, well, you know, I need to wear those compression stockings. I'm like, yeah, I believe I told you that, but okay. You know, so. Right, exactly. No one Let's talk about uh, what, what sure. you can do. Sure. So years ago, you know, this is something that, that required surgery and we haven't had to do open surgery for, for this disease process for over 20 years now. And what has led to this now being minimally invasive is just the advances in ultrasound and the advances you know, with guide wires and catheters and, and what we can advance through them and through the veins. So these are easy in-office procedures um, that we do. You don't need an IV. Um, we usually give people a little bit of Valium just to kind of take the edge off, but otherwise they're just under local anesthesia. And the whole idea um, of success or the whole um, I guess what you need to be able to do to successfully treat this is you need a really good ultrasound study that identifies what's the reason that these veins are forming. In other words, what's the cause of the reflux that's leading to the varicose vein formation? So we find that out with ultrasound, and then we use ultrasound to help us get catheters into those abnormal veins. And then usually the most common thing um, is to close these long reflexing veins with a, a skinny little laser fiber that's just a couple millimeters in diameter. So it, it closes, it, it cauterizes the vein from the inside, and it's essentially just as effective as if you had surgically removed that vein because no blood is going to be able to flow through it. So that removes the source of reflux. Depending on how big the varicose veins are, frequently we'll surround those varicose veins with local anesthetic and make some tiny little stab incisions and then we can get a little hook under the skin and get at least the biggest of those varicose veins out. And then another common procedure that we have to do, there are usually other connections to the deeper veins that are contributing to the reflux, and we can get a little needle into those and inject a liquid sclerosing agent that again is gonna kind of cauterize or destroy the inside lining of that vein and cause it to sh shut down also. Now, what, what sort of agent do you use? I mean, at one time when they were using like hypertonic saline, right? Salt water, I mean. Correct, and if, and if some of that got out of the vein, it would be very painful. 
Nowadays, we use uh, a drug called sotradecol. And if it gets out of the vein, it's not going to be painful for the patient. And in addition, instead of just injecting it, it as a liquid, we turn it into a foam. And when you inject it as a foam, it has better wall apposition with the vein sure. wall, more back time, and does a better job of sclerosing those veins. So these are easy procedures that usually take one to two hours, depending on how extensive the varicose veins are. Patients have to wear compression stockings pretty faithfully for a month after this. That's the recovery. And um, once these veins are treated, they, you know, 90 plus percent of the time are not going to come back. It's not to say that new varicose veins can't come back from a different source of reflux, but it's pretty permanent when we get rid of these veins. And people are frequently concerned, okay, you're getting rid of these veins. How is blood going to get back to my heart? And we always have to reassure patients that there are plenty of other normal veins. Your right. body wants to recirculate the blood. Blood will always get back. These are bad veins that are not helping you. Yeah, they're they're not working at the right. time that you intervene. Right. Is there, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the gravid uterus causes a backflow or pressure, and that probably is why it happens in pregnancy. Uh, so you can, to prevent that, you would be pregnant. But what are other some other risk factors that individuals could do to curtail their amount of uh, their, sure. their risk for? Yeah, let me talk just a little bit more about pregnancy, and then I'll I'll talk about the other risks. But three things are actually happening during pregnancy that that set a woman up to experience this. Um, number one, as you just mentioned, as the gravid uterus grows, it puts compression on the veins that go through the pelvis veins come up from our legs, cut through the pelvis, and that uterus is putting pressure on them. So there's increased pressure in those veins. Because of the, um, you know, growing baby inside mom, her circulating blood volume is greater than it would be if she wasn't pregnant. And the veins in our body are kind of our, our vascular capacitors. They are what get bigger to accommodate the increased circulating volume. So those veins get bigger, that's going to make it harder for those valves to close. And then the third thing that happens is mom's ovaries are making lots of progesterone and estrogen. And one of the effects of those is to relax smooth muscle, targeting mainly the uterus. So it will relax and, and, and grow with the growing baby. But it also causes relaxation of vein walls. So there's three things um, you know, that are causing these veins and the legs to become more dilated. So that's, that's why it's so associated with pregnancy. But the other risk factors are just being female. It's much more common in females, and we think that that's also just the, over time, the hormonal effect. There's definitely increased risk in uh, if you have family members. So we feel that there's a genetic or hereditary component to this. Um, people who experience prolonged periods of sitting or standing, they are at increased risk. Uh, people who are um, obese, they are at increased risk. If a patient has ever had a deep vein thrombosis, that's another increased risk for developing what we call superficial venous insufficiency, varicose veins. Yeah, that's 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 probably a future podcast there about the, the really cool things you guys do with intervention on those blood clots in the veins early on to prevent that in the in the future. Right, right. sure. We'd be happy to. Yeah. Now Katie had mentioned the discomfort or the discoloration um, you, you, it, that hemosiderins kind of stains the skin brown. 
um, which causes the itching on the dermatitis. But my understanding is once that's there, it may lighten a little bit, but the skin won't return to normal, will it? Um, correct, correct. And I'm not exactly sure what, what Katie is talking about. Sometimes pregnant women especially will get kind of a, a pinkish or a reddish discoloration that's just kind of, you know, kind of just venous engorgement. And that will go away. That will go away. Okay. Usually after pregnancy, yep. But if you do get the chronic skin changes that you just referred to, correct, those generally do not go away. If small little spider veins develop that have some of that purple staining associated with them, you know, those kind of changes generally do not go away. But, um, you know, if, if she's young and, um, you know, she may not have those real chronic skin changes yet, and if she doesn't, um, if it's just kind of purplish discoloration just from distension, that might go away. Yeah, interesting. I don't know, just a little trivia. I don't remember, uh, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but it, it was, I've, been here i came to back to cedar rapids in 05 but there was a, a elderly couple over in the quad cities and she had varicose veins and it busted open and it was painless bleeding yep. and they didn't realize it so then they came back home and they had this blood all over their house and you know then they the police were called and it was a varicose veins we used to talk about in the wound clinic how fix the varicose yeah. veins you don't have blood all over your yep. house you can have large volume blood yeah loss. yeah um all everyone uh, Almost all, if not all, the guests get asked uh, why they've chosen a particular specialty. So you're an interventional radiologist. Uh, why'd you choose that? What, 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 what started you on that path? You know, when you're a medical student, you're searching for what's going to be the best specialty for you. And, and I kind of learned early on, I was probably more procedurally bent. And I just, I was married and had young kids and did not really want to go through surgical or OB-GYN type training and I learned about interventional radiology and as soon as I experienced it, um, I knew that's what I was gonna do. And the reason I love it is because it's procedural. There are not just diagnostic things, but there are many therapeutic things that we can do. They're all minimally invasive procedures, you know, usually through a needle hole, working with catheters and wires and you know, it's too much to get into everything that we do, but Dustin, I know you know the things that we do, and it's very rewarding to to help patients. Um, Absolutely, feel in a very minimally invasive fashion. Well, and you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be uh, uh, over flattering, but uh, you, but your group is just amazing to work with. Thank you. We appreciate that, and we we enjoy uh, providing the services at this hospital. So yeah, thank please. you. Well, uh, this has been Dr. Hummel with Interventional Radiology and RCI Radiology Consultants of Iowa, formerly the Erskine Group, way back when, when I was young. Um, I like to think I'm still young. But uh, thanks for joining me today, Mike. I really appreciate it. It's been great information. Again, this is Dr. Mike Hummel, Interventional Radiologist with RCI Radiology Consultants of Iowa and St. Luke's Hospital. Uh, for more information about venous insufficiency, please visit unipoint.org. Thank you very much, Dustin. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.